We held our first ever VR panel about two months ago when we went to that anime convention that we all told you about. And a lot of you out there were like, hey, I'd love to actually hear that panel, see what it was like. And luckily, Editor John recorded it. So we got a special treat for all of you out there, whether you're listening right now or whether you're watching. You can get to see the panel as it happened. We do have to say first, thank you so much to our sponsor, Asterian Products. If you don't know them, go on Amazon, check out the Asterian Aura VR headset stand. It's gorgeous and code FULLDIVE10 will save you another 10% off. I also want to say a quick thank you then because they sent us a bunch of their Aura stands, their Vertex stands, and other goodies that we were able to give away at the convention, which was really cool too. But hang out, enjoy the panel. Uh, any questions you want to drop, of course, you'll have to come over to the YouTube, drop questions about it in the comments. We had a great time and uh, enjoy. Well, thank you for coming out. I'm really excited. This is actually a lot more people than I even thought would be in here. I know the big VTuber, I shouldn't mention this, but the big v VTuber thing's happening on the other side. So I kind of thought a lot of the VR people would be headed there. But thank you for coming out. We're going to be talking about VR, kind of an intro to it, some of the different stuff about headsets. I'm going to tell you a little about myself, of course, what I'm is VR. I'm also here. <laughs> I, I guess I introduce you, but again, this is my wife, Nat. You know who she's dressed at. She was pretty excited to be on stage with the uh, singing actor from from Sailor Moon, so yes. Nat's been on the VR journey with me for years and she actually works the real job and I do the YouTubing now, so thank you. It's because of her that I'm here. <laughs> We're gonna tell you how it works. We're gonna talk about some of the headsets that are out. Of course, address a little bit about VR motion sickness, what VR is outside of gaming, because a lot of people think it's only gaming at this point. We'll talk about whether you should be in the spot to buy a headset right now if you're considering it and what, of course, headsets you can buy. So a little bit about me, my name is Jeremiah Bratton. Uh, Jeremiah is a four-syllable name. If you're gonna have kids and you name them a four-syllable name, no one will ever pronounce their entire name. They will shorten it to any version they can. Jeremy, Jerry, and of course the eventual J. So I eventually I just embraced it and I go by J-Brat for short. It's actually been my gamer tag since uh, the days of AOL back in the day, yeah. <laughs> my first email address, jbrad at AOL. Before this, I was a business manager for about 10 years. I did dental and Starbucks and Safeway, so I've done a little bit of everything, but even in that time, I was always sharing VR with everyone I could any chance I got. We used to get a lot of free coffee. Used to get a lot of free coffee. I got horribly addicted to coffee when I was at Starbucks. And because of that passion, when I finally decided to take a break from management and work, I was like, I'm gonna start a YouTube channel to share it. And uh, three years later into YouTube, here we are. We are here at Animazement, I can't freaking believe it. And we've even become partnered up recently with, uh, I don't wanna call them meta, it's Oculus to me. Oculus partnered with us, and so they help us out with some headsets and some gear for the channel when we need it. But let's talk about VR. What is VR, of course, is the question that I get from people when I try to tell them what it is I do and they tell me it's not a real job and I, I try to avoid the word influencer at all costs. <laughs> The technical definition is it's an artificial environment which is experienced through sensory stimuli, sights and sounds, by a computer, and your actions change things in the environment, which I think is way too wordy. My definition is it's really, it's an electronic device that transports you into another world, a virtual world. So how does VR work? You said you wanted the full 101 course, so we're gonna, we're gonna give it all to you. A VR headset is actually very similar to a smartphone, which most of you are actually probably carrying at the moment. Inside of a VR headset, there is either a single screen or there is dual screens usually and they're often the same types of panels that are made in phones. They can be LCD screens, they can be OLED screens, 
Ideally, I like OLED screens, but we'll get into all that later. And then the way that they track your position, they may have cameras just like your smartphone does on the outside that are looking at the room, or you may set up sensors in the room that track them. They have the same sensors that your phone have as far as movement, so gyroscopes, accelerometers. So when you turn your head in VR, that sensor notices that you've turned and it changes the perspective of the virtual world that's in there, making it really feel like you are in a completely virtual world around you. One thing that is different is lenses. All VR headsets have lenses on the inside because the problem is the screens inside are about two inches or less away from your face. So they need these lenses to simulate distance. That's why a lot of people are really shocked the first time they put on a VR headset and they are a glasses wearer who's nearsighted. They think in VR, they're not gonna need their glasses because the screen's this far away. They're gonna be able to see it, right? Well, those lenses create that real distance. So all of a sudden things are fuzzy. You need your glasses in VR and it really surprises people. Nat knows she has pretty bad eyesight. Very bad. I have contacts in right now. She gets into contests when she meets new people about how, who has worse <laughs> eyesight. I didn't know that was a thing. I thought you'd want to have better eyesight, right. but apparently that's a thing. I win at worse eyesight. <laughs> <laughs> Usually. So the lenses are kind of the last step. And if you don't have a VR headset yet, heed the warnings of never take this thing outside for a photo shoot. Basically lenses are two magnifying glasses inside. So if the sunshine hits them, you ever taken a magnifying glass to ants outside? <laughs> Same effect. I can't tell you how many people on Reddit post first thing. I took my VR headset outside to take some pictures for Instagram and now my screens have big purple dots in them. They burn, they burn holes into their LCD screens and ruin their headset first thing. And they've, they've gotten better about the first VR headsets like PSVR and stuff, they didn't have any warnings and they weren't wireless. So they figured why would anybody have to worry about those headsets and taking them outside. Well, they did have to worry. People took them out and they ruined them. Another huge step of VR is audio. Virtual reality is not convincing if you don't have audio that's going to transport you into that world alongside it. Now, a lot of different headsets have a lot of different speakers and designs on them. The one you're seeing on the screen here is the Valve Index. That is one of the most revolutionary people say because it actually has speakers that sit off your ears, open-ended open speakers, and that can pump the sound out without you having to have something else touching your head and really make you simulate the distance so instead of feeling like, oh, I hear a shooter on my left, you'll be like, I hear a shooter at 10 o'clock and it sounds like they're about 30 yards away from the actual sound. And one of the ways they do that, Sony actually patented a system first. They actually play the sound into both ears, but they play it with a break in time from hitting one ear to hitting the other. And that's how your brain actually senses how far things are away when you hear them and what direction they're facing because you hear it in this ear and then you hear it in this ear just a fraction of a second later and your brain interprets that as, okay, that's this direction and this far out. So you get good directional audio on a headset and you are going to get a much more immersive virtual reality experience. And I will tell you for the Quest 2 that you're not gonna get that experience if you buy it stock and rock it like this. This thing has built-in speakers here. You can kind of see this little tiny hole back here. That's the speaker. So if you do get something like this, I highly recommend getting headphones separate for it that are gonna be better, but that's a whole nother issue. Audio is a pretty big one. Does anybody have any questions they want to throw in on here? Anything they're curious about? There's a lot of different VR options out there. Uh-huh. Um, what's your uh, personal opinion on PSVR? <laughs> uh, PSVR was my first love for VR, uh, but it has not aged well. It's six years old now, almost. It, if you can get one used on sale for like 100, 150 bucks, you already have a PS4, there are some amazing experiences on there that you won't get from anyone else because Sony did a great job of making first party games, Astrobot Rescue Mission, 
Farpoint, if you have their aim controller gun, they have first party experiences that are truly unique and amazing to VR that I haven't seen any other headset use. In Astrobot, there's a part where you pick up a flower and to advance, you blow the petals off of it. <laughs> and you, it, its microphone is listening to see when you do it. And that's such a simple thing. Every headset just about has a microphone on it. I've almost never seen that on any headset besides the PSVR. So it has unique experiences, but don't pay very much at this point because it's very dated and the tracking is rough. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, some years back, I actually picked up the, uh, the Rift DK2. Mm -hmm. um, and I could never get the thing running right on my hardware, AMD software back before they got good and stuff like that. But something that I've wondered about, I came across it not that long ago, is there still a community supporting the, the earlier versions of the uh, Oculus hardware, or is that stuff just kind of gone derelict? If there is still communities that follow it very strongly. There are a lot of people that believe that the Oculus Rift CV1, the original Rift, is the best headset still made. And even though Oculus drops support for it, there is people that work together. They 3D print parts that you can buy when things break on it. There's a lot of people that really believe in those older headsets. I know that the DK2 is... It, I don't see a lot of people still trying to use it. It's becoming more of a collector's item. And the DK1, even more so, they're actually starting to go up in value. But if you go on... I wouldn't say the the Reddit Oculus anymore. You'd have to find like a Rift specific one or even a DK specific forum because a lot of them have moved on. But there are a lot of people that believe that that was Oculus's heyday and they don't care for this thing at all. <laughs> Sadly to say it. A huge part of the experience, of course, is VR controllers and now hand tracking is becoming more and more common. If you've ever followed the channel, I've accidentally punched many things in VR, one of which was her. <laughs> Luckily, she had the PSVR on, which is a comfortable it's headset and it absorbed the hit. VR controllers are your hands of an input to the virtual world. The most common format now pretty much looks like this. You have grip buttons. So if I want to pick up a water bottle in VR, I reach that water bottle, I pull the grip button, and then my virtual hand picks it up. Trigger, of course, doubles as shooting things, or of course it can double as your actual fingers. They both have analog sticks now, thank goodness. If you were here for the early days of VR and every controller tried not to have analog sticks, you know how horrible that was. <laughs> And then of course, two buttons on each controller for inputs. It's become very common. The really cool thing, if you haven't gotten to experience yet, not a lot of headsets are doing it, the Quest 2 has hand tracking. Because this has cameras on it, it can see your physical hands. And it's a little buggy, it's not amazing, but to play a game where you're like grabbing things and touching buttons and using your actual hands, it is so freeing to try that I would highly recommend if you get a chance, you've got to try it out. The other one I have up here on the screen is because the Valve Index is known as being one of the best controllers out there. The person here has the black controllers in their hands and their hands are open. That actually has capacitive sensors in it to track every single finger. So you can make gestures, you know, you can rock on at a VR chat concert, where with these, it's only tracking your middle finger, your index finger and your thumb. These actually have sensors so like if your finger is touching it, you'll see your finger kind of closed. If you squeeze it, you'll see it. And then if you take your finger completely off, you'll see your hand open. So it's sensing if you're close, if you're squeezing it, or if you're just barely touching it. So it gives you some options, but it's not gonna be fully natural. If you haven't tried it and you wanna just do whatever with your hands, it's not perfectly natural, but it is, it is a really great option. We're seeing more headsets that are coming are actually potentially ditching controllers and going to all hand tracking, which is exciting, but it's also, eh, yeah, it's, it's, got, it's got a ways to go. VR tracking is another big question that comes up. How does it do it? What the heck does it, how can it tell what's going on in it? So there's two basic types of VR tracking out there. There's outside in and there's inside out. So outside in, if you think about like the PSVR, you have to set up a camera on the wall 
and that camera looks at you and tracks when you go like this with your headset and tracks your controllers and stuff. Because of that, it's one camera. So if I have controllers in my hands and I turn away from the camera, what's gonna happen? It loses tracking of them completely. Where you get something like a Rift or a Valve Index, there's multiple sensors you place around the room so you can move all around in that space and you can have what's considered the best tracking which is lighthouse tracking. That's what the Valve Index uses. It's considered the most accurate, the fastest, the least latency, but you are limited to the, how big your room is and where you've put those sensors that you have to stay in between. And of course, that's more wires, that's more work. It's a lot to set up. Inside out tracking is really where the industry is going as a whole. We're seeing every headset and that's what the Quest has. It has four cameras. So if you're okay with Facebook having four cameras in your house, here they are. <laughs> Another conversation. What? <laughs> It's true, it is, they're there and they're on. But what these do is these see your room around you and they map points around the room, high contrast points especially. So if you have a poster on the wall, it sees, okay, there's four points I'm gonna map there. And it maps everything around you to where when you turn, these sensors see, okay, the poster was here, the posters moved 90 degrees, so their head must have turned 90 degrees. It's much simpler, no outside sensors to set up. It's not, it's good, it's good, it's pretty good but there will be times where it will mess up. It will lose sight of what's happening and it's a bit more glitchy and a pain. Yeah. Isn't it this, basically the same technology that was used in Pokemon Go? Uh, like the AR technology where, where, where uh, you, you could actually almost legitimately catch a Pokemon if you kind of scanned the room around you so it could pick points. Yep. And then the Pokemon could be here and you'd actually have to look for it and it would actually be there. Yep, each company has their own that they're patenting, but it is all based on the same idea. It's even like those little Mario Karts, if you've seen, that drive around the room and use AR to change it to a track. They're finding points around that room as they drive to track everything based off those points. So yeah, it's becoming very common in the industry and it's really where it's going. PSVR 2 is gonna have it. The next Meta Cambria headset is gonna use it. All the Windows headsets use it. It's simple, it's easy, it doesn't require external wires, but it can be a little glitchy, of course, because of that. So if you're thinking about headsets, Inside Out is, is honestly the future of everything. But if you wanna be like a pro Beat Saber player, you are gonna want lighthouse tracking. You want something that's gonna perfectly track your moves. And if you've, if you've seen them play as fast as they go, you've gotta, you've gotta have perfect tracking there. For example, when the Inside Out tracking can mess up is if you get your hand a little too close, yep. the camera's gonna be like, well, what? and your hand might fly over out into the wall or something. And you might think, who's gonna have their hand that close to their face? Well, think about if I'm a sniper in Pavlov and I wanna hold my sniper rifle up, what's gonna happen? Your back hand's gonna start doing this and looking through the scope is very difficult. You almost have to learn in those games to hold your arms out a little further and it's a little unnatural, sadly. They're, they're trying to improve it. Their actual, their next headset may have cameras on the actual controllers doing their own complete separate tracking. So that will be really cool as long as they can keep up with Beat Saber players that are going as fast <laughs> as they can. So we kind of started dipping into it, but we're gonna talk about some of the most popular current VR headsets that are out there. And of course, answer questions for you. The Valve Index I brought up a couple times. It's brought up a lot because it's kind of considered the most professional yet reachable headset out there. Yes, there are two and $3,000 headsets, but a Valve Index is $1,000 for the entire kit. That's gonna be everything you need besides your expensive gaming PC that comes with it. Pro Beat Saber players use it. It's got individual finger tracking, like I said, uh, but it does require a good gaming PC. I mean, a 1060 graphics card 
was like the minimum requirement for a long time for VR, and now it's not even covering it. So like you're thinking 2070 graphics card or higher if you really want to push the visual fidelity. And for those of you who follow graphics card prices, 2070s up until recently were like $1,500 just for the graphics card because of the shortage. So it really made it hard on the valve indexes of the, of the industry, and it made people start looking at the Oculus or MetaQuest 2. This is one of the only consumer-friendly headsets that is completely wireless. You can get this, you don't have to plug your phone into this thing, you don't have to plug it into a computer, and you can play pretty amazing VR games directly on this headset anywhere you want. Yes, you're not supposed to take it outside. You could take it outside on a cloudy day. <laughs> you should it's not. It's great for airplanes. Yep, you can, you can play it on an airplane. You can take this thing anywhere. It's fully wireless, 299 for a 128 gigabyte model. I actually bought a spare one of, during the holidays, a refurbished one from Walmart for $199. Headset, controllers, everything to play VR. It's just the most approachable price. And then also the business world is actually really starting to accept and utilize VR. We see huge companies, Walmart, UPS, BMW, Hilton. If you look up a list, there's tons of them. Bank of America was actually the first bank to take it into their virtual reality training. In nearly 4,300 financial centers, they're launching this. Yeah. So like occupational therapy type stuff. I've seen a few nonprofits that are trying to do it. I haven't seen anything big launch yet, but there is a lot of training. There's a VR artwork has become a big deal. This is actually a person, Kaylee Eliza, she is commissioned and sells VR artwork. And that's, that's one of her main incomes is just making, it's not even necessary for people in VR, but people want a virtual environment for a game and someone can go in and make it in VR. They can see the whole thing as they go. And they sell it directly. It's actually being taken very seriously. Her, she did her, uh, I don't know what they call it in Europe, she told me, uh, but her like final college exam and everything was based around a VR artwork project that she did. So for a long time, Tilt Brush was the main application people were using, there's a lot of them now. But Tilt Brush is a big one. If you go in there, you can go look at other people's artwork and see some really amazing drawings in there. I've, I've drawn a little myself. I'm not an artist though, so it doesn't look very good. <laughs> uh, medical training is another industry that it's really popping up in. A lot of medical training industries are getting tons of funding right now from them. Or who's tried VR for fitness? Woo! <laughs> yeah, there's something about sweating in a headset that is not the most enjoyable thing. Yeah, Beat Saber, I would say counts. Supernatural, you know, there's these are all these different ways people are really utilizing it and liking it. And even though they're stuck in a headset, it's so fun they can forget they're exercising. One of the things we already talked about was the fan that's extremely helpful if you're doing any fitnessy stuff in VR because it helps kind of keep you a little cooler. But again, the biggest thing is it helps your lenses not fog up when you're getting all sweaty and hot in the headset. Um, there's also different facial interfaces. This is the facial interface that sits on your face um, that they have. I think they could do a better job of doing better ones, but they have some where it's like kind of jersey cloth type of thing that you can put on it so it can absorb all your gross sweat and then you can take it off. But then you can wash it after. Yeah. <laughs> so, nice. yeah. I didn't bring the setup here, but these to me, these get slippery. They get sweaty. Oh. There's grips that'll hold yes. onto your hand. I see a. I see a question back there, yeah. Uh, does every headset have a fan option or? So this fan comes with this facial interface that you can get from Bobo VR and this clips directly into this. So it will fit on any headset, but this is a any separate quest. purchase. Any quest. And then like the Valve Index has fans that you can get that are, uh, in my mind, necessary on the Valve Index. The oh, Valve yeah, Index has a lot hot. of heat 
on your face. Some of the less common headsets, you're not gonna find them though. It's, it's really the top headsets that get all the accessories because they know that's what's gonna sell. But the problem is VR is still, it's breaking into mainstream, but it's still niche enough that a lot of companies don't wanna put a lot of money into making an accessory when their base audience at most is 15 million people. You know, at most they're going to sell 15 million units where if they make something for the PS4, you know, hundred million people can buy that product. We're going to get there. We're going to see more, but we will also go through as we are now that we time where crap is being made and shoveled out to all of you. Uh, there's a lot of reviews on my channel uh, that are, I don't know if I'd say scathing, but they can get pretty brutal of some of the ones that are just trying to steal your money. When I don't like them, you know it. Yeah, I know they're just trying to do like foot motion traffic, uh, mm -hmm. traction type stuff. I've seen that advertised. I'm yep. like, no, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a ways off. I've tried pretty much everything. And I got a weird one recently that was a saddle that <laughs> basically looked like a swing you'd hang from your ceiling for swinging in your bedroom. Uh, it looked like that, but they said you could sit in it and then run your little legs. No. It had the straps in front of you. You can't really play Beat Saber. Yeah, it was a mess. It was a mess, but people are trying. We're going to get there, I think. But right now, I would hold out on some of the weird accessories. Of course, it leads us to the headset, you know, should, or the question, should you buy a headset? Right now, my main considerations in answering that question when people ask me is, of course, I'm a VR lover, so don't only take my opinion into it. I'm gonna say, well, yeah, but I'm also gonna tell you, right now we're kind of in an in-between stage. I wouldn't buy a Valve Index right now because it's too much money and there's stuff leaking, looking like Valve is making another headset, codenamed the Deckard. Right now, the Quest 2 is a great price, but it's also been that price for like a year and a half, and we know that they have other things in the works. They've said there's three headsets coming over the next three or four years. I gotta say too, uh the or meta or facebook or whatever they also are notorious for having a headset come out having it be out for barely any time and then having another one come out immediately after that may even be cheaper they did that with the the quest one it was 400 more, it was 400 it was less powerful and then they just like i don't think they completely dropped support for it but they they kind of dropped support for it they stopped having games that worked with it and then the quest 2 came out not, was it not even a year later? It was like a year later. Like, it was cheaper, better, yeah. and now you, if you have a Quest 1, your controller breaks, you can't buy one. So what do you do? You're stuck buying a new headset. As far as headset considerations, we've kind of covered a lot of it already, but right now you're looking at about 300 to 1,000 for any of the mid-range consumer-friendly headsets. Accessibility is something I like to bring up because it's not something a lot of people think about, but VR as a newer tech is not necessarily super welcoming to people who you know, fought for our country and lost one hand. It's not for people who can't necessarily get up and play some games. Games require you to move around the room, super hot. You can't play that sitting in a still chair. So that is something to consider when you're thinking about it and who you're thinking about buying one for. There are ways that you can hack them on PC and there are ways that you can set them up to work better for people who need that. But it's an, indus it's an industry that's behind as far as what is happening, even gaming as a whole is behind. Luckily now there's new controllers that can be used with one hand. There's even foot controllers that you can use, but VR struggles there. So I always like to bring that up to think about that when you do it. Ease of use is still not, this is not a PlayStation. This thing will glitch out on you. I've been running a VR room downstairs and I've been having to reset headsets and pull batteries. And we came here with five headsets and we might be down to three here soon. <laughs> it's still new tech. It's gonna have problems. And the current library of experiences is out there because they're selling, but they're not you know, there's not 100 million of them out there. We're not getting every game we want fast enough, big games, AAA games. We still, when a really good AAA game comes out like Resident Evil 4, it makes the news because it's like, we have one, we did it. Woo. 
<laughs> yeah, it's done forever. So these are things to think about. But what's coming next is also we've already cut, touched on that a bit. But do you want to buy one right now and be able to play VR? I would say do it. But if you're thinking, oh well, three hundred's a lot of money, and if I can wait six months, there's another three hundred dollar headset that's better. You know, it might be something to consider. And then, of course, the slide that you've been asking about. People always ask me, VR or AR, which one is it going to be? And it's funny because a lot of people in the VR industry are going to tell you VR. You know, they don't want to say AR. But for me personally, it's more XR. So VR, we've talked about a lot here. Fully immersive world pretty much cuts you off from the outside world. Augmented reality either uses overlays like Pokemon Go. It can use cameras, but you see the real world in real time, and it adds digital objects to it. Think about a motorcycle helmet that has a blue line that goes on the road for your Google Maps that shows you where to go, instead of you trying to look down at a phone when you do it. That's augmented reality, making your real life much easier. Oh, yeah. VR is changing the world. AR is also going to change the world. But a lot of us in the industry believe that XR, which is an umbrella term for pretty much all of it, is what we're going to end up eventually seeing. Oh, question. Uh, I was just going to say, like Google Glass is failing. Yep. Because AR did, or Google Glass did have the, uh, oh, yeah. shows the line of where you need to go mm -hmm. in front of you. Because that bombed, a lot of companies felt AR was a bit too risky at the moment. But then, like the HoloLens from Microsoft actually is doing what well, they've sold the huge contract to the US military for training. So, you know, one, one dies and one survives. That's kind of the whole business world. But the Google Glass, I never got my eyes in one personally, but from what I saw about it, it definitely looked like I thought, oh, I don't know if that's going to make it. Yeah. Uh, I guess since you're running a VR room, you're probably more familiar with this. Um, I've wanted to set up a VR system in my, in my house, have a VR headset, the idea of having a TV that has that, that classic YouTube, you know, you know how they show the Beat Saber, you, you look up on YouTube and you have the first person view yep. uh, projected on a TV simultaneously with what's being piped into oh, the yeah. Is that something that is like integrated with the software in the games or is that something you kind of have to clutch and hack together? It, it used to be that, that hacky way. It's pretty much built in now if you get anything wired. If you get something wireless, it can be another pain all over again. Because this will connect to Facebook, and it will show the video there. You can connect it to a Chromecast, or you can connect it to oculus.com slash casting. But there's no easy option that just instantly works, and you risk, because you take some of this processing power away, you risk the person in the headset having this drop to 72 frames per second and get sick, nope. because, and you can't see, because you're seeing a great picture on the TV having fun. If you really want that system like that, I would recommend either a PC or PSVR 2 when it comes, and run the cables up the ceiling mm -hmm. so that they don't get in their face and cause them problems, they're just out of the way, but the TV shows it in real time, because also, this will have some lag. You'll see them swipe a note and beat Saber, and then you'll look at the screen and you'll see the Saber cut. So it's, it's still much better with Wired. The, uh, I have Gen 1 Oculus, I bought it basically right then and there at Christmas. Uh, I was having issues with virtual desktop and AirLink. You said the cable would be good, but it's, it, is there a cheaper third-party option for the cable other than an, uh, that cost almost 100 bucks. There's tons of them. Uh, I'm actually in the process of reviewing a bunch of them on the channel right now, so <laughs> watch out for that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> so I believe you, VR has a bright future, and if you want to buy in, it is a good time now, but realize there is a lot of considerations. It is still early adopter tech. You are going to have a lot to deal with. But the biggest 
thing that holds people back from this headset, and they've said they're going to stop, but they haven't yet, you have to link this to a Facebook account. And that kills it for a lot of people. It's a requirement. They said they're going to drop it, but they said that like last year, and then they just announced they're making progress on dropping it. Like, how hard is it? How, how tied in is this thing to Facebook that it's that hard to pull it out? I don't know. Uh, and then some questions came up about the PSVR. Uh, it is dated. You can get them used sometimes for as little as $150. It's old, the tracking is old, but there are some unique experiences. If you were to ask me, as you did right now, what headset is there to buy? I hate to say there's two choices in my mind. It's a Quest 2 or you wait. You wait because Meta is coming out with something else. The Cambria is is their next headset, although they've said it's for high-end users, but we've seen that it's gonna have like full real-world recreation through the pass-through cameras. You're gonna have full color, you can look, see into your actual room, and you can go, I think I wanna redesign this room, and I'm, if, what if I added a wall here? And you could pull in a wall. You could pull in Minecraft onto your coffee room table. It's, <laughs> it's all kinds of augmented reality, virtual reality, all rolled into one headset. It looks promising but it also looks like we, we didn't see the controllers in the last print. We just saw hand tracking, which freaked people out thinking there wouldn't be controllers. We've seen prototypes of controllers, so supposedly it's coming. But that's where I say right now, the problem is this is 300 bucks or a Valve Index is a thousand plus a gaming PC. How can I recommend it? And it's three years old at the exact same price it was three years ago. If three years ago you asked me, I'd say buy a Valve Index. And man, you'd have gotten your money's worth now because three years later, it's still the same price. You can connect that to a PC as well. And yep, you are absolutely right. This can also be connected through a link cable or now wirelessly through AirLink to your PC and you can play PC VR games on it. If you use the wireless, it will kill the battery. And another thing that people don't realize, even if you've used the wire, it may also rely on its battery. It will extend the length of the battery, but you might have two or three hours on the battery, even though you're plugged in and you have to stop and let the thing charge. So it's not perfect, it's not as nice. I used to have a Rift S, I still do, but I don't use it. And it was nice to have a Rift S because it just worked. It was just there, it was just ready to go. It was all, always wired and good, yeah. Do you have any information about full body tracking with any of these? Uh, yes, if you want full body tracking, right now the Valve Index is still the way to go because what it does is the controllers that the Valve Index uses in that lighthouse tracking I was talking about, they use these pucks that you can get from, they're actually from the Vive. You put one on your waist and one on each foot, and then you have five points of input. You have your controllers, actually six, because your head, your controllers, your waist when you're moving, and your feet, and they all fully track in full body. There is rumors that, that this, and actually the next headset, is gonna somehow do full body tracking, but if the cameras are only here, that's gonna be pretty hard for it to really do a good representation, unless they add some external camera or maybe the ones on the controllers kind of help see what's happening. You have to have enough sensors if you want good full body tracking for the computer to really see what your whole body's doing. And even then, sometimes it can get a little weird because your waist can go one way and your leg, but your knee is gonna be out doing this number and it looks weird to people in VR chat. I saw a question over here. I've been looking a lot into this and trying to figure out what's going on with the whole thing. And with the past pandemic and all the things that's happened, I assumed that they were going to pump more money into this and maybe work harder into making virtual reality even better. But it never, nobody did that. Do you have your opinion on that? Like, why, didn't, why have they have not improved at all or more money? <laughs> I will say there's two reasons why. One is Meta. They have put the money in. Two is also Meta. They have ruined the landscape for everyone. Please don't record this part. <laughs> they made a headset so cheap and so capable, no one can compete with them anymore. 300 for the full package or 200 if you get one refurbished. 
Like that is cheaper than console prices. No one can compete with that. They are creating a monopoly over the VR industry and others are fighting and others are trying, but it's pushed Oculus has become the most common headset at the very bottom. It's got everyone. And either you have to make the best headset out there and try and capture that market or you land in the middle. And from someone who comes from the business world, if you land in the middle, you often don't survive. The big question is, is VR gonna make you sick? A lot of you probably have been if you've tried it before. Uh, and so I wanna just real briefly touch on what is VR motion sickness versus simulator sickness. So if you're familiar with motion sickness, if you've been in a car or on a boat or something and you get sick, then you have, actually it's more commonly, it's, it's more specifically referred to as movement sickness because what that is is your body feels movement and your brain doesn't understand why and you get sick from it. Where motion sickness is actually an umbrella term that covers all of them, also covers simulator sickness. But motion sickness, it, your brain gets mixed messages and you get sick. That's why it includes simulator sickness, which is what VR sickness is, which is where your eyes see movement and think, why am I not moving? I don't feel any movement and you get sick. Now, a lot of people think, oh, this is gonna stop VR dead in its tracks. People getting sick won't ever do it. But I don't know if anyone here remembers or knows, but like when Doom came out back in the day, people used to get super sick playing Doom first person shooter, even though they were away from the TV, frame rates had to get faster, the game had to render better, tech had to catch up and get ahead of it. And that's what we're seeing already in VR, they're getting the frame rates up. I mean, this thing can run 120 frames per second. They're getting the frame rates up to where it actually keeps to the movement. They're looking at different ways. Sony's PSVR 2 has headset haptics to add movement in the headset that may potentially help your brain think, oh, I'm moving, so I'm not gonna get sick. The whole industry is working on this problem to try and fix it, but if, if, you, get, if you put a friend in VR for the first time, don't put them in something that might make them sick, because that's all it takes. One time and they're never coming back. So if you wanna help with motion sickness, games without motion or games where you actually physically move like Job Simulator, there is no way to use your joystick to move around. You reach over and you grab something and you use it. Games, yep, Beat Saber doesn't have you move. The world moves around you, the notes come at you, but you're always on a solid platform that stays still. That's what they're doing to try and help keep you from getting sick. Comfort settings are there, teleportation, a lot of people turn it off immediately, but it's there to try to not make you sick. So if you are someone who's suffering with it, try it for a while until you get more used to it. Have a fan on. They now make fans that you can attach directly to the headset that helps circulate the air inside the headset. That's what this is, and it's great. It's from Bobo VR, and it just keeps that hot, stagnant air from around your eyes from sitting there on your face. It also helps with fog. Yep, and your lenses don't fog up. <laughs> I, I've actually, this weekend, they, they recommend not using them, but there's also these uh, anti-fog wipes, and we've been using them down in the VR room on these, and they actually work really well. And, and they have not damaged I don't see any residue yet, yet. yeah. But yet. use <laughs> at your own risk. But fans, airflow will help with fog, and it will also help people feeling sick. There's pressure points in your hands that sailors used to use. There's actually these wristbands that you can get called C-bands. And it may be a placebo effect, because you're wearing them, you think, oh, I'm not gonna get sick, and you don't get sick. Well, if you don't get sick, then I mean, it worked in my mind. <laughs> so it's an option. And a lot of people say use ginger, eat some ginger, drink some ginger ale, get some ginger, chewing gum can help people with nausea. A lot of people use it for other nausea, but to get you that extra time where you can get your brain more used to VR, because eventually the only real cure, spend 10 minutes. If, if 15 minutes makes you sick, spend 10 minutes, set a timer and stop, and then try again and then up your timer a little at a time. The only way you're gonna get over it is exposure, but you don't wanna make yourself sick because it will set you back and how you feel about getting back into that headset the next. And I, I just wanna say a little bit on this because I've had issues with this before. All these steps have really, really helped me. The, the pressure point thing has helped me a lot. So that's something C-Band is just one brand. There's other ones out there, but it's just like a, it's like a little wristband thing that has a little bead in there that 
puts pressure on this certain spot that really helps. And the fans are amazing. It really, really helps if you're not feeling great. Going in and spending a little time and gradually, you know, spending more time or gradually doing like more intense games really does make a huge difference. Cause I used to, you know, have, have a hard time, but now I can do some pretty, pretty intense VR games and not, not get sick, so. It's the best way and let people know, you know, if it's their first time, set a timer. Don't just let them go crazy because they get sick. They're really gonna have a hard time getting back in, yeah. When it comes to, when it comes to headsets, um, say you have like a, a nice, a decent quality PlayStation headset, are you able to plug those into your, into a, a Quest, for example, and use the mic on that? Like headphones, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a, most of them are going to be compatible because it's just a 3.5. has a headphone jack right there, just a normal one. And then these also actually can take USB-C headphones, so that gives you some extra options with some of them. So for the most part, you might look it up on Reddit just to see like what your specific one is, but a lot of times they do work with it. Some of them will override and it'll stick with the Quest mic no matter what you do. The Quest mic isn't bad for gaming. For content creation, it's rough. But for gaming and game chat, it's actually pretty decent as far as mics go. I want to say thank you so much. This is my first panel ever and you all were absolutely awesome. Thank you. you. You took my nervousness right down and then the alarms came up and the nervousness came back a little bit. <laughs> I feel good, so thank you.